Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here in Dining Room Studios with one of my favorite people, Doug Benson. Hey. Welcome back. It's good to be back. So I, I just saw your baby. What'd you think? Looks totally like Be a baby. honest. So it's totally got baby style. It's all sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't linger, you know. Right. There's a nice person there holding the baby. I didn't want to. Creep her out? Yeah, she doesn't know. <laughs> well, she knows I'm she doing a podcast. She doesn't need me coming around. Yeah, I said, hey. It was cool. Glad you guys had that Good for you. Exchange. What's the kid's name? Elliot. That's a good one. Uh, spelled weird in any way? Um, There's a silent G. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, it's just E-L-L-I-O-T. Now, what- Some put one L and some put two T's, right? They do. You got some a lot put, of options with Elliot. You have so many options. We really were stymied vis-a-vis the options. We knew we didn't want to do the most unusual spelling because right, of someone- well, like, like E-T spelling? Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, I think, E-H-L-Y-U-T. Um, no, we knew, I knew they didn't want to go one L one T because as someone who's an Allison with one L, you spend your life correcting people. Right. So I wanted to just do the most common. However, it seems like a few of them are sort of neck and neck. Yeah. It's always, I mean, that's why I asked because it's just, it's just a name that's just always going to be issues, but you seem to have, you know, cut off some of the. We've been trying. Possible problems. How has your <laughs> life been affected spelling Doug D-U-G? <laughs> um, I do spell it that way in some instances, uh, but not normally, no. Not t- or t- yeah. Today, are you just D-O-U-G? I like when uh, something will be, uh, there'll be something written about me and it'll say Douglas and then in quotes, Doug. And then that's <laughs> it, you know, like that's my crazy nickname that somebody <laughs> right. came up with for me. <laughs> my God! <laughs> my Where friend's did you name get is it? Otter, but my nickname is Doug. <laughs> <laughs> People should start calling somebody's nickname should be Doug, whose their name isn't even Douglas. Right? That'd be fun. Steve, and then in quotes, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I just recently got finished telling Greg Fitzsimmons that he had been on my show the most of anyone. Really? However, you've been on my show a lot as well. Because you've done a bunch of the, the live ones. Yeah. A couple live ones at uh, two different uh, podcast festivals, right? That's right. And Bumbershoot. Two different years and a Bumbershoot. And a studio show. Yeah. Okay, so, so Greg has you beat, but I might still. might be killing it. Or he's got even, he's got like five, seven or eight. I think it's up there. Yeah. He, you know, if you like Greg, if you're into that sort of thing, he's great to talk to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's an acqui- he's an acquired taste, you know. It's not for everyone. Yeah, I know. I think you guys would have great conversations because he's uh, uh, willing to say anything and also inquisitive at the same time. Are you those things? Nuh-uh. You're I not willing to say anything? I don't care about stuff and I censor myself constantly. <sighs> I know this about you, sort of. <laughs> I sort of know this about I know that you get irritated by bullshit on Twitter. Right. And 
try to avoid it if you can. Yeah, but I still read everything, so I end up... It's Twitter's changed since last time you and I spoke, probably, in that uh, my Twitter feed, like, incoming, I don't even read it that much anymore Mm because it's nothing but Trump news all day long. Everybody that I follow, that's all they really care about right now is that. So I'll look at it because that's sort of my, kind of my news source is whatever all my friends are uh, quoting or retweeting. But then... uh, but then I look at every uh, every ad at? reply. Yeah, I look at every single one of them. So generally, they're pretty nice these days. Like they, there aren't too many bad ones. But also, I think for some reason, teenagers aren't getting into Twitter. Like they're not they're picking pro- it there's up. Something else they're on Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, whatever the new thing is. But it just never caught on for that that age group. So that that would be much worse. Like the comments on my YouTube show, I don't even look at them because it's just a bunch of fifteen-year-olds that have, you know, nothing to lose by just talking, you know, talking a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. So I don't even look at that because it's like you can't even argue with that. <laughs> that could just be its own universe, you know? right? They can argue amongst themselves, but uh, yeah, Twitter for some reason I'm still still on board. Yeah, I like it too, even though you hear people saying Twitter's dying. Yeah, well, I mean. Since you can write whatever you want underneath the picture on Instagram and you can make a video on Instagram. I mean, Instagram is just making it so all the things you could do on all those other places are just in one spot. It is true. I was on Snapchat very briefly, um, but I was into it. And then Instagram came out with stories, which competes with Snapchat. So that now also I don't disappear use... just like Snapchat. Right. So, so what Snapchat got on Instagram, you know, because you're already looking at Instagram to see everybody's pictures. So... It feels like they did a smart thing, but also But like, underhanded. Yeah, right? Kind of shitty. K- kind of cheating. Like if I <laughs> were friends with Instagram and also friends with Snapchat, I don't know that I would trust Instagram. Right. No, you'd probably, uh, you know, stick with Snapchat and then someday regret it. <laughs> yep. I think that's right. Yeah, loyalty will really bite you in the ass sometimes. <laughs> that's why I don't practice it. So let's talk about high court. Okay. Um. Well, first of all, a few weeks before, I feel like it was, I, it's, who knows, sometime before it premiered, my dad, a retired doctor from Orange County, said to okay. me, hey, did you know that Doug Benson has a new show? <laughs> so you're on my dad's radar. All right. Does he listen to this? <laughs> um, some, I mean, I think he knows that we're we're friends. Okay. Um, and I sometimes he listens. I don't think he's a regular listener. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but well, he knew that you had a new show coming out. Shout out to him if he's mm-hmm. checking out this one because he's such a Doug Benson <laughs> a fan. A fan. A hardcore fan. He's Benson Burner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what they're called? No, not officially, no. I like I, that, I downplay though. it, but in this case, I thought it would be funny to say it. It, it worked for me, at least. Yeah, I'll yeah. run it by John. I prefer if, I ha- if they have to call themselves something, I prefer they call themselves short rounds. But I'll use both. I say uh, on my show, Douglas Minis, I say, hey, short rounds and Benson Burners. But it's more out of being silly than wanting that to catch on. Right. Have they given themselves a name? Like my my fans refer to themselves as Allison people. Yeah. Hashtag. That's, that's a good one. I'm, I'm fine with that. I There's like also that. like Rosinators and. People like to put team whatever in front of mm. who they like. But I don't, I can't think of any for me right now, but. I just get a variety of things, which I I should not complain that, like, you know, you, you look at a guy like Dave Chappelle, he went nuts because everyone was yelling, I'm, I'm Rick James bitch at him. 
Like there was that one thing right. that everybody just would say to him day in and day out. It's like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're hanging out with Groot. You know, he only says that one thing. So, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I get that. I totally get that now. And there's things I get frequently, but there's nothing that I get that's like the thing that I, they say all the time. It's a real uh, mix, which I ha- have to appreciate. Is there anything that they say to you that you wish they'd just stop, though? Do you want to make a PSA right now? Let's well, <laughs> this, this isn't going to stop. The, the people who listen to your podcast don't do this, but people just see me and they may not have followed my career, but the one thing they know is super high me. Mm-hmm. So they just yell that. Oh. And, it's, and that's, you know, not great at TSA and stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and when it's TSA, because they do too. Which is kind of uh, interesting. So you have, yeah. So you have fans at TSA. <laughs> so how is your airport experience? So he's great. Yeah, they either don't know me, uh, so they just I just go through because I'm not smuggling anything or doing anything weird. And then if they do know me, they're fr- they're friendlier. They don't. They never like. They never go like, oh, because we know who you are, we think you've got shit in your bag. Right. We're gonna double check it because that's not the process. Mm-hmm. That's not you know in Europe or you know I've been to other countries where they have a person that grills you with questions that like if you fuck up they'll detain you and talk to you more. Has that happened to you? And uh, uh-uh, but I, I've gotten through it right. just fine. But it's scary as hell because they really are seriously asking you some questions before you could get on the plane. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we don't do that. Uh, our TSA just stands around and tells each other jokes. <laughs> it's you, comforting. You know, <laughs> sometimes. That other times I'm like, I wish you were all serious. It's just funny how everyone in TSA, it's almost like flair on a waiter or waitress in a restaurant. They all get to kind of play it however they want. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you really see a dazzling array of personalities when you go through TSA. There's some that are just screaming out orders all mm-hmm. the time and others that barely speak and, and some, some that are, that are like just cool laughing TSA. about everything. Yeah. Some trying to make jokes. Right. Other Others are very, you know, serious. It's a... Uh, it's a cram box. Yeah. It's like there's no set way to behave. Whereas like cops as a group, you don't see them, you don't see them being wildly different personalities Mm-mm. from cop to cop. Or soldier to soldier. Interesting. I wonder. <laughs> they don't teach. I don't think TSA like teaches like a regimented yeah. how to behave. You don't think there's a boot camp for TSA? <laughs> I think TSA? it's bring what you got. Bring that personality. <laughs> you do you. And apply it to how. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like just make it your own. Sort of like an audition. Just go in there and have some fun. <laughs> make yeah. it your own. Um, there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no wrong answers. <laughs> Right. The only Just stupid question is <laughs> the one that isn't asked. So the high court, mm-hmm. high court, the high courts are the, the high right? court. I like because it's, you know, when you break it down, the initials are THC. Oh, so there's that extra bonus uh, fun in the title. I like that. Was that in on purpose or was that just a fun thing you the realized? The first thing I said as soon as they said, uh, as soon as the idea was suggested, the high court, <coughs> I was like, oh, that's great because the initials are THC. And I had to send out memos saying, everybody call it the high court. Don't abbreviate it as just high court because then it's just, then that's abbreviated as HC. It doesn't mean anything. And uh, still on my cable box on TV, when you're flipping through to pick a show, it just says high court without the the. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't did they not get your memo or did they not heed your memo? I think they dropped the thes because of the whole alphabetis, alphabetis, alphabetization. How do you say that word? 
at the alphabetizing of. <laughs> you just, I, I, that's the always, alphabetical a, nature that's always of. the smart way to go. Yeah. It's just changes the structure of the sentence right. that you're saying it in. But, uh, if it's alphabetized, yes, uh, then, then it would be under the T's instead of the H's. So maybe they want it. I don't know. I don't now know what my, they're doing. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. Now my brain is just stuck on alpha, alpha, but they, this is just the cable company. I know. I you know, know what I mean? It's not Comedy yeah. Central. It's oh, a cable I know. Company, but still, you can't can't get everybody to call it the right thing. So I've watched it. I enjoy it. I'm impressed with your judging skills because watching, I was like, oh wow, you really. What kind of a training did you have? Any zip? Because you really seem like a judge on a judge show. <laughs> <laughs> and that's only it makes, it's me just acting like a judge. And it's funny the you know the there's guest bailiffs on every episode for anyone listening to this who doesn't know the program. Oh yeah, let's uh, explain it for anyone who hasn't. It's seen Judge it. Judy. We get real cases from the court system. By we, I mean a team of people that work on those kind of shows all the time and got to have a you know a bit of a lark. You know, they really had fun uh, getting us these cases because we wanted kind of the weirder ones. Um, and uh, they so they agree to uh, abide by whatever Judge Doug says. And then on the show, me and my guest bailiffs, who are a rotating cast of uh, comedian friends of mine, we, when deliberating, which now, you know, is going to become an expression for let's go smoke pot, let's go <laughs> deliberate, which I'm very proud of that. Um, when we deliberate, we smoke weed and discuss the case. And then I go back out. So it's like if you saw Judge Judy thinking about it, and and smoking weed that's the, right that's like the biggest difference um and i didn't i've never even been a huge fan of courtroom shows i mean courtroom movies and and series fictional ones uh i i enjoy a lot of that kind of stuff and have enjoyed a lot of it but it's not like my favorite genre or anything. And the daytime courtroom shows, I've I've never had much patience for those. Like mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm not like a Judge Judy watcher. I watched Wapner People's Court uh, back in the day, but also never really. I wasn't really into it. it as more like there used to just be less choices and more just and it was watching on TV for, just to watch TV. Right. And it was on for somehow you always landed on it. I don't know if it was on for a big block of time or. And he died, uh, you know, uh, the day before we the high court debuted. So I don't even get the satisfaction of. I mean, maybe he had heard about it, but <laughs> but he is certainly somebody that I would have liked to have seen. Because somebody even wrote a piece for a, 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 I think maybe Uproxx or one of those. Where oh, sorry if I got the wrong one, but it's just a whole thing, basically talking about Judge Wapner's whole career and how he approached that job and how he didn't like judge Judy and the other judges that came along. Cause they were also a uh, mean spirited mm. and didn't, didn't treat the people nicely. And uh, so this person was throwing out the theory that if just w- judge Wabner hadn't died, that he might like me more than Judy and these other shows because I, I am nice to the litigants, right? I'm not just there to attack them and make fun of them. It happens because I can't help myself. <laughs> You know, because they're such weirdos sometimes. Right. You know, so, and they're, and they're also have agreed to the situation. It's not like we're surprising them with me being high and being a comedian. <laughs> and they often laugh and we try to leave it in whenever they do because we want to show that like, it's not like they are just being 
made fun of. Right. They're they're part they're of part it. They're part of it, yeah. And sometimes they act a little weird because of that. Like they want to Well, they want to be eccentric to get to just get more uh, uh attention. Like they're playing it up because it's a show. Yes, yeah, like the a Cash Me bit. Outside girl. You know what I mean? She was real obnoxious to Dr. Phil cuz she, you know Wait, I'm not familiar with this story. What? Uh, maybe I am. Go on. There's this girl, you know, how about that? Cash me outside. Like, uh, No, I don't know this. <laughs> she goes, cash me outside. How about that? Because she's basically saying, like somebody says to her something like, how can you be uh, so rude to, uh, you know, she's like a high school dropout and, mm-hmm. you know, just one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know that much about this, but it's so huge that it caught, you know, that I've, that I've been forced to pay a little attention when, to it. When did it happen? It'd be, it would be, we'd do 10 minutes of it on Best Week Ever if that was still a show. <laughs> It's uh, it's I guess it's happened over the last few weeks, but I just hear it popping up on different things that I listen to and watch. Jeff, and are you are you aware? You aware of this girl? I'm not, but I only watch PBS and MeTV. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she's not going to show up there. Yeah. Danielle uh, Brigolia or something like that. And but that's the catchphrase that caught caught on is that she's basically uh, when somebody accuses her of doing something wrong or something she uh, or, or somebody in the audience says something they, they don't approve of how she behaves she said uh, cash me outside how about that like let's go outside and fight and mm. she's like 14 or 13 years old right and kind and not you know not like a, doesn't look like a bully Scrappy. really she's she's not she's not pretty either i don't think i really haven't even Spent that Seems much like time you're on it. Obsessed with it, Doug. I know, you're right? Obsessed with this viral. I just keep thing. sort of hearing it, but I never. Uh, I, I saw it briefly, um, but I've never really pursued figuring out exactly what's going on with it because to me, it just feels like Snooky kind mm. of kind of thing. Where I just like I never really embrace that stuff. I don't really like tangentially know about it, or or like just people that are like get in the limelight for being obnoxious. There's so many people doing great things in the world, and just for being a a hole, you get famous, right? Like this girl's making money now off of her fame from uh, what's she doing appearances at clubs? Is <laughs> <laughs> she a reality show? She's doing she's uh, touring Chuck E. Cheese's. <laughs> no, she's um, like uh, you know she's totally cashing in on it. So I noticed that the litigants do sometimes just get into it with each other. And I wondered, they do, are they hardcore. encouraged? To, like, I, I've been a talking head on various shows where it's like, okay, the goal is to, you know, with this news story, we, we, and this is a direct quote, find the heat, <laughs> meaning like get on air and right. yell at each other. Um, are they encouraged to be more loud and assertive than they would be otherwise? I don't think so, but I'm not privy to oh. conversations with them. I don't get involved at all. I, do, you know, I don't meet the litigants until they're standing in my courtroom, and then once I uh, say, you know, once I make my decision and tell them the news, I bang the gavel and run out of the room, and never, hopefully, will never see them again. Some, Lest they cash you in outside. In some cases, yeah, I don't want them to cash me outside. <laughs> uh, but um, what was the question? It, oh, I was just wondering: Are they encouraged to be more? <laughs> no, they're they're. I think what I think they're told to uh, treat the judge with respect, but also you know keep in mind that he is a comedian and not a real judge. Right. So that's a lot to balance. And people, um, I found almost every time it was important to them to be right. Like the the financial decision, who I gave what. Uh, you know, they weren't as upset about that as they were just being told that they the other person's right and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an interesting 
aspect of it that makes some people yell at each other and others uh, are more respectful and just want to just want to win their case. Right. But it's, you know, it's like anything where I would be the Oh, sorry, go ahead. It's like, a, you know, the last all those last cycle of political debates, even the people you like are talking over other people and you're just like shaking your head like <laughs> mm. Being the person that just lays back and waits their turn, it, it, you know, it doesn't pay off in some areas. Well, it certainly doesn't <laughs> pay off in television. Right. It, it, but it should. Like, it should. Yes. Like, the the wealth, you know, the yeah. person that just really has gold when they, when they, it's their turn to speak. Right. And I like, I find that in some guests on podcasts too. Like, some people are just brilliant at that. Like, when they don't have to be piping in on everything. And then when they have something really good, they, uh, you know, well, I really get the whole thing out there. When I did um, the movie interruption, ahead of time, you're like, to, to all of us, you said, don't feel compelled to talk constantly. Right. Like, just you know, try, speak up when, when you have something, I yeah. think. Does that, does that sound like what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I'm and not I probably say, exactly. don't, try not to have conversations with each other. Try to just tell jokes. You know, try to make it in a jokey kind right. of form. It's kind of opposite of the notes you're given for anything else. In this world, I feel like in general, it's like, we need more of you get in there, you know, have a back and forth. You just get in your head. If you start thinking volume, you know, right. if you start thinking I'm not saying enough things. And I think it's more like you have to watch really truly watch the movie and, and say the things that you'd say to like a loved one in your living room. Right. You know, because <laughs> that's what you do. You don't just start a whole conversation. I mean, sometimes people do. But the idea is if you're really watching the thing. Like, especially because we're in a movie theater when we do this. Right. If you're really watching it, you don't want someone that's just going to blah, 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 blah. And you can't even hear what the characters are saying. Yeah. Like, I think the jokes should come in between the lines. But like, lots of comedians come come there and they just go go nuts. And, right. And sometimes it works because the movie's so awful, nobody wants to hear what they're saying anyway. But, you know, it's a fine line. <laughs> well, I did Love Actually and Zach Galifianakis said one of my favorite joke interruptions, which was um, Colin Firth, I think, is drinking scotch. And yeah. he says, great scotch. And then Zach goes, it's great scotch, dumbass. <laughs> dumbass. Like to be that disrespectful right. to a British actor in a very twee movie. Uh, yeah, that movie, I've interrupted it twice now, and I generally don't like to do repeat ones because I don't want to feel like I might say the same jokes again. Mm -hmm. You know, I like it to all be improvised. But that one is so, it's so perfect because it's so beloved. But then once you sit down with comedians that know what they're doing, it's, uh, pretty easy to tear down and point out, uh, like, especially the flaw of the, everyone in the movie just thinks women are fat. That's all they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be, you know, Kira Knightley's in it, you know, right? <laughs> who's like a, an example right there in their faces of someone who's not fat, but uh, that's all they talk about, and uh, that's weird. Um, but uh, we got to make fun of that, and it worked out nicely. So to go back to something you were saying, um, the people that come on the high court, some of them just want to be right, and then some of them care more about winning the case. I would be the in life. I'm the person I think who just wants to be right. Like I, it's kind of a a flaw that I care more about principle than just practical things. Like it would probably serve me better to just think about what's the end result I'm looking for, as opposed to like making sure that everyone. I don't know, making sure that. 
no one has anything negative to say about me ever. And that I'm like, I don't know. I just, I, I pursue the principle of something way too much. Where, where do you fall on that? I, as a judge, I'm very principled. Like I really look at each thing and think like, here's a great example. Woman leaves her dog with a friend or a guy she knows for some reason. She leaves her dog with him a lot. Like he's just happy to have the dog and she leaves it with him. But she like will go for extended periods of time without coming back and getting the dog. So he finally just decides it's my dog now. So she takes him to court, like really goes through the legal process to sue him to get her dog back. Cause she doesn't want to, just, I guess she can't just get the police to come over to his house and get her dog. Right. I guess. I don't know. But, but she says, there's a large moth in here. <laughs> yeah, there is. She says, um, uh, she sues the guy for either, $5,000 or give me my dog back, which means also, why didn't she just call him and say, hey, if you give me $5,000, you can keep the dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so she's suing him for $5,000 or the dog. On and what I, grounds? And I asked her like, <laughs> the $5,000 is, um, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. What it's is like it? uh, for her pain and suffering of not being able to keep her dog anymore. Oh my God. The moth is so close to me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, oh, shoot. I, uh, one time a uh, moth was flying around on stage and I just did a perfect, just grabbed it right in my hand and uh, the place went crazy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know where I'm it went I'm glad now. Bernie Sanders didn't crush that bird, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So, the, the moth might come back into play, but... Um, it might be in my pants right now. <laughs> That's a fear. I don't know where it is. <laughs> oh. It's a real insecty time of the year. We had an ant problem recently. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I've found this to be a real bad allergy year for me. I've been uh, dealing with that, but I really had a point I was trying to make. Yes, um, about... and it was about the the five thousand dollars for the pain and suffering. This yeah, is, yeah. Based on my watching legal shows, I don't think she has grounds for asking for five thousand. But go for it. No, it's her dog. She just just have her dog back. That's yeah. the end of the case. Bang your gavel and go home. But right. I had to fill like ten minutes of television. So <laughs> yeah, it's a sh- it's not a full half hour, <laughs> and I get to also. You know, my I get to make the decision. There's producers who come in and go, you know, you know, here's what we feel about it and stuff like that. But ultimately, nobody ever said to me, "Doug, you can't rule that." Right. And in this case, I said, "Let's just put the dog down and see who it goes to." <laughs> oh, 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 oh! You know, sorry, I thought yes, that makes sense. At it's first her second, dog. I thought you meant put the dog down, and I. Oh right, right. Yeah, uh, that yeah. we had the same uh, mistake of language. Okay. Previously, when we were talking about it, because I put said, "Let's just the put ground. the dog down." Yeah. That someone went, we're gonna kill the dog. <laughs> right. Yeah, set the dog down on the ground. Oh, I like that. See who it goes to. That person gets to keep the dog, but it's her dog. Like by legally, mm-hmm. you know, there's no there's no laws out there about how long he kept the dog in his house. Right. That he, you know, it's not, it's not like, like a finder. It's not keepers. like uh, you know, uh, possession is nine tenths of the law. Which whenever somebody says that, they've stolen something. <laughs> They right. have, they have it. Yeah. So then they use that expression, <laughs> <laughs> possession. I have it. So, true. so uh, yeah. So we put the dog down, and both of them. Before I put the dog down, I checked with both of them. Oh, who do you think she's gonna, the dog's going to go to? And they're both like, the dog's coming to me. Mm. The dog loves me. They're both insistent it was going to go to them. 
And we set it down, and it ran over to the woman who whose dog it is. That's heartwarming. It ran right over. That's like, so heartwarming. Jumping up, it's excited to, to be. And uh, yeah, and it was nice, but also like the whole time you kind of felt like it's like an SVU episode mm. where there's a character that's like, I don't like that person, even though they seem to be in the right. There's something wrong there, right? And that's how I felt about her. Yeah, well, that's I could. So I, I wanted the dog to go to the other guy. Just go, okay, you got to keep the dog. And, right. You know, then she'd be like, what the fuck? But uh, we went the other way with it and let uh, <laughs> justice prevail because it's her dog anyway. So you would have ruled if the dog had gone to him, though, that that was it. It's his dog now. Yeah, I would have given her some money, though. They should. I wouldn't have given the her the whole then. five grand, but I would have given him, you know, but. Was she really? sorry was she really willing to give her dog away for five grand that's what it seemed like and she was dressed really nice she's a pretty lady so i don't uh, like either of these people so like yeah well it was weird because he was he also just kept saying chi chi is mine now you know like just because chi chi lived at his place a lot Mm -hmm. still her dog you know so just just to go back to this though (laughs) you would have let if the if the dog who belonged to her even though you kind of didn't like her if the dog had gone to the guy, you would have been like, it's your dog now. And they were going to be okay with that? Yeah. I feel like then she shouldn't get her dog because she doesn't love her dog enough. That's how I felt the whole time. So that's why when the dog had so much love for her, right. well, dogs, what are you going to do? Dogs have Stockholm Syndrome. But that, but he, the dog was staying a lot with the guy, so they should have gotten it for the guy. But the dog still loves its original owner. Yeah. Maybe it's a dumb dog. You know? Did the dog seem dumb? Did you see a dog's purpose? No. There's no way I'm going to ever watch that. No, it's going to be too sad. They just laid out in the trailer. It's about a dog keeps dying and coming back as a new dog. Yeah. And they always have a mission uh, somehow to help man because that's all dogs are for is to help us. It's the dumbest premise. If a dog had written (laughs) that movie, it would have gone differently. Isn't that- Yeah, dogs have got a lot of priorities that aren't necessarily helping (laughs) us. Right. Right. For example, if it was up to a dog, I doubt there would be as much spaying and neutering. Mm-mm. No, they would totally sit out that procedure. <laughs> exactly. They'd <laughs> they would, opt they out. would enjoy their lives. <laughs> um, isn't a dog's purpose the movie where there was that scandal about potential animal cruelty? Yeah, and it bummed me out because I believe that there is just uh, massive amounts of uh, animal cruelty that goes unchecked just because it's show business or mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I don't necessarily think animals sh- are. I don't think all of them would enjoy (laughs) the performing arts and being a part of it. (laughs) It's like when you put a hat on a dog and it brushes it off. There's people that insist on forcing the dog to wear the hat. Yeah. Drive me crazy. And that's pretty much what every circus is. So, I mean, as much as I love a stupid pet trick, there's a video I saw. I don't know if it's new or not, but of a dog that they put like a little birthday cake on a plate with a, a... a candle in it in front of the dog and the dog just takes his paw and just smacks it out of their hand. It's so damn funny. (laughs) It starts out so sweet. The dog's like, no. (laughs) Probably not big on fire, the dog. So I probably didn't want a fiery thing in in his face. face. Yeah, because dogs can't blow a candle out, really. I don't know what they were hoping for. (laughs) Maybe a well-timed sneeze. Yeah. Well, so... um. Are you ever very, very torn on which way to rule? And and does it do you do you take this seriously? Like, do you go home feeling like did I did, was justice served? No, because every <laughs> because 
here's the thing. <laughs> Every case is either, uh, you know, open and shut. Like, it's just real obvious, you know, who did what to who. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we had this one guy fell asleep on his friend's couch and burnt his white couch. The guy wanted way Was too- he smoking? Yeah. But fell asleep smoking and then- and the guy wanted way too much money for the couch. He had owned the couch for years, and he was asking for what the original price, which was, sounded way high. Mm-hmm. We couldn't. There's no like blue book for couches, though. So we <laughs> could, should be couldn't figure that out. But excuse the sniffling. I'm, my allergies are going crazy. So were your allergies going crazy before you got here, though? Yeah, yeah. It's just okay. been bad in general. Yeah, Good. it's been a bad time this uh, last few days. Like when it rain, the rain's been helping a little bit, but then it goes back to not raining and all the shit comes up again so it's almost like shipment of pollen i had delivered to the studio (laughs) might be affecting you (laughs) so (laughs) what case was i talking about see that's why i don't go home and worry about it because i do five of them in a day uh, when we do them and uh you know it's uh, it's all just kind of a blur at the end but but then when i see them in editing or on tv i like I remember everything that happened. I'm not like so stoned that I'm like, oh shit, that happened. But um, the which, couch is the, what you're talking the about. The couch, yeah. The guy. So the guy go. The guy admits to falling on the sleep asleep on the couch while smoking, and then claims no responsibility for burning the couch because he was asleep when that happened. Mm. Anyone else could have come along and burned the couch, and he doesn't know if they did that or not. The guy right. was a real character who's really pushing that story. Yeah. So I was just like, this is obvious, but I didn't give the guy the full amount that he wanted because it was, you know, the couch wasn't worth yeah. that much. But they both walked away, you know, not uh, not too worse for wear. Mm-hmm. So that one, like, that one's really obvious. But then there's other ones where. Two people both stand before you, and you have no idea which one's lying and which one isn't, or Judge if they're, Judy or if they're both lying. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing: is she, she, uh, you know, <laughs> goes after them and gets it, you know, gets stuff out of them, right? And that's, you know, that's not. I'm not there to like grill everybody, and so I want to believe their stories. But when, but when both sides don't are lying. I I think more than once my decision was it just go home. <laughs> yeah. You guys nobody wins anything. That's it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming by. <laughs> you know, because it's so you don't know who to believe. This everybody's got a million excuses for everything. That was a big thing that comes up a lot is she knew I had a temper. I don't know why she pissed <laughs> me off and then was surprised I broke something. And it's like you broke the thing. You got to right. pay for it. Right. At a reasonable price, because people always ask for way more than the thing was worth. Nobody's like, I need $60 for this lamp. <laughs> it's like, it's a $5,000 lamp from Italy. <laughs> right. Via <laughs> Ikea. It made the trip. Uh, how can you tell if someone's lying? That's what I'm saying, is you can't. And I especially, I don't, I, there's only a few more minutes of talking to these people than what you see in the show. Okay. You know, because we tape a bunch of them in a day. Right. Judge Judy, she cranks them out. She doesn't mess around, but when we show the deliberation scene and discuss the case, me and my bailiff, and the bailiffs are helpful a lot of the time mm-hmm. in sort of helping me to see, like, you know, w- exactly what's going on or reminding me of a detail I might be forgetting. Right. Uh, but mostly I find that no one writes to me on Twitter to say, you made the wrong decision. I don't think I've gotten one. 
since the show's been on the air. So I'll send you one. <laughs> <laughs> then you can have your one. Yeah, I mean, if anybody listening to this saw an episode where they thought I made the wrong decision, I'd like I'd be interested to hear about. Well, it. that's what I'm saying. I was impressed with your your judgery, <laughs> and that's not a word. Um, but I was I I wondered like, are you consulting some sort of legal source, or is this? You know, I I just thought, wow, if someone told me that you had training, I would believe that because I feel like you could. They could put you up against any of those other judges, and you're right. You're right alongside with them. Well, you know, it's not that complicated, especially when you don't have lawyers involved. You don't have to learn what the difference between sustained and overruled. You know, <laughs> that's not going to come up. So, I, I oftentimes there'll be a pause before I say litigants because I got to get used to saying that. You know, and there's, but also that's one of the things that cracks me up about doing it is that, and and uh, you know, the show has a few writers because there's a there's a bunch of little things that need to be written. But the writers are always, uh, you know, um, you know, enjoying how I'm just trying to uh, wedge in jokes all the time, uh, while also still really talking to these people and not turning it into, you know, making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what point I was trying to make, but uh, that's the beauty of the uh, uh, the getting high thing. I think is that. It doesn't really change your morals. You know, it doesn't change how you feel about an argument two people are having. You're not like, oh, I'm so high, I agree with that person. Right. Because <laughs> they're quieter or something. Although I have. <laughs> <laughs> I have pointed out to the litigants, you know, like, hey, I really like you and think you're lying to me. And I think you're annoying and telling me the truth. <laughs> you know, like... those things come into play. Like I think judge Judy does that a lot too. If someone's really obnoxious, I think she just kind of, yeah, you can sort of bend the law because it's, you're allowed to, you know, they have to uh, agree to whatever she decides as well. You know, all those courtroom shows, those Mm -hmm. people sign stuff and it's out of their hands. Right. They can't turn around and sue them, I guess. (laughs) I'm sure that they can't. I'm sure there's something they, because they always say the rulings are final. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the, the ruling made by a fake judge is high is final. <laughs> Do you have to? Be Don't careful? try to fight it in any court of law. <laughs> Do you have to be careful not to get too high? Like, is there a high sweet spot that you're going for? Because I know that you um told me a long time ago that with the show like Red Eye, which is sort of how you and I met, where it's fairly fast moving, you try not to get too high. Versus like stand up, you can be as high as you want your own stand up, and it's not going to affect it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it depends on what the, you know, who the audience for the thing is, because, you know, like a, you know, if you're on like a panel newsy kind of thing, even though you're telling jokes, it's not really the place to be like super high, you know. Uh, but I've gotten away more and more with uh, all that s- stuff just because of being, people assume I'm high when I'm not. Mm-hmm. So. When we met at the red eye thing, I was a little bit taking that one a little bit more seriously just because uh, I've just never been that political. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, you go in there and if you're, you know, if you're just saying silliness, (laughs) (laughs) which is what I like to do, then it, 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 you know, it could come out wrong. And then, you know, and then in fact did, I did it, you know, I did have an issue on that show where like people got really mad at me for a joke that I thought was just silly. So about Canada's maybe military. you can be too high. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 
those are jokes I would make even if I wasn't high. And I don't, I don't know how high I was at the time because I really, it really does vary. Also, you know, doing something in New York City in a, you know, in a, a TV studio there, it's not like there's a, a nook in the room where you can go smoke, <laughs> right? You know, and they make you get there so early. So a lot of times I feel like I'm not high anymore just because I've been sitting around for a few hours, you know, in makeup and coming up with jokes and stuff. So you mentioned, um, with the high court that they approached you with the idea? Uh, a, a gentleman, a longtime TV producer, successful one, came to the guy that produces my YouTube show and said to the, you know, basically pitched to both of us, uh, you know, Doug Benson as a judge in the high court. And then through the course of pitching it and then, you know, actually making it, I sort of, uh, you know, massaged everything to how I liked it, and everybody sort of worked together to get to the to that final result. So can't, I can't take credit for coming up with this one, but uh, I can take credit for immediately recognizing it as a great idea. <laughs> and, Kudos. And, uh, <laughs> no, actually, I was uh, my immediate reaction was, well, I don't think anyone's going to want to do this quite yet. I don't think we're right. I don't think we're there necessarily yet, unless it's like maybe. Uh, Vice or something, but I don't even I don't even think something like IFC or AMC or anybody like that would want to touch it. And so Comedy Central was our first stop, and then they were super into it. So that that was it. We were just, you surprised? I was uh, delighted that it was so easy because also the pitch was just it's Judge Judy, but me. <laughs> you know, that's all I had to say. There's really no reason to you know. There was a lot of little details we had to work out uh, after that. You know, like. You just you just never know if it's going to work or not. But in my case, uh, I really pushed for the idea that the show would look exactly like other courtroom shows. It would sound like them. That everything would be exactly the same except for the getting high part. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, it wasn't. A, it never got ugly arguing about it. You know, everyone was very cool about it. But it was still like always a lot of well, let's look at it another way. What if the music was more modern? What if there was a, a audience in the courtroom? What if there was this and that? And I would you know, push back on some things and go along with others. And, uh, and we, it, it was just kind of a miracle. It, it, it felt good that it, it was so easy, you know, mm-hmm. like, like, uh, and they, you know, they went right to air with it. They didn't even make a pilot. They just went to, let's make a ton of them. So now we're just waiting to, uh, you know, see if they want to make more or not. And even though, People seem into it. I haven't heard a negative thing about it. You still get super paranoid. <laughs> you get high and then you get paranoid about how um, it's going to be just – I think they have up to like 90 days maybe. I, should, I don't know if I should discuss the uh, contractual situation, but uh, you know, we're basically just waiting to mm-hmm. hear if we can make more or not. Who's the longtime TV producer? It's a dude named Kevin Healy. I think I know that name. Maybe. But I don't know why. Maybe because he's the longtime TV producer, like yeah, most likely. He's produced a bunch of other stuff and you know, not he's not necessarily like a comedy producer, but he was Oh, that's what I was gonna say earlier, is that there's somebody stand there's people there's lots of people that know stuff about the law on the set and specifically the guy that's in charge of all the people that uh find and vet and work with the litigants. Mm-hmm. Uh that dude I could say uh, 
you know, like we did test trials uh, early on where uh, people that worked on the show played the litigants and they'd use real uh, cases from that it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And then we would discuss what the judge did in that case uh, during the part where I'm trying to decide what to do. But then once we were, I got really emboldened by the whole thing. And once we were shooting with real litigants, like I was always, every once in a while I go, do you think I did the right thing there? And they were, you know, they'd tell me if they'd, they'd be like, well, you probably should have done this or that. But for the most part, no one was ever like, uh, Doug, you may want to rethink that verdict. Because also it's funny if I, if the verdict is kind of silly or mm-hmm. strange, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, that was like the dual goal of the show, like in editing it in performing it and editing it is every moment should either be an interesting trial or a funny joke. Mm-hmm. Like let's try to get both of those in there. And if they're, you know, if there's enough of each, then we've got something people will want to watch. So pot question. Yes, finally. <laughs> What's the, <laughs> what is the deal with pot in California now? Is it totally legal? Like, can someone just go in? You do not need a weed card anymore? The weed in my pocket right now, I don't even have to have a weed card for it. It's perfectly legal for me to have it. But like someone like me who doesn't have a card, I can just go into it. No, a- that's what I'm saying. With or without a, my card, I could let it uh, lapse now. The reason you want to keep a medical card is because uh, I think it might turn out that there'd be some places that are still just medical and you need a card to get in and others that are uh, open to the public. Oh, you mean some dispensaries? Yeah. Right. But like if I were to find one that's not strict, I can just go in and buy it and just... just starting Potentially starting in January. Oh. There's a year oh. where it's legal to have it, but not legal to sell it. And uh, they, they're trying to get everything in place. There was some ballot initiatives to try to guide the process uh, in this last local election mm-hmm. in LA, uh, and, uh, or California, rather. And... Um, I don't, you know, that's all I've been told that I hear from time to time is that January of next year is when stores could potentially start to open. Gotcha. Because, like, I know for getting dug with high, everyone has to, had to have a weed card, right? That was the idea. But also, we're talking about a crime that is, uh, <laughs> right. you know, that no one is pursuing uh, anybody for doing, you know, just smoking in a private space, even, even if it is on the internet. Mm-hmm. It's still just, you know, an activity that everyone's just okay with people doing you know it's like police are not they're not if they see a crowd of people a group of people smoking weed the the, you know these days it's like they in most cities they just tell them you know disperse or something or you know they want to give ticket you you know 20 people standing there you're gonna give a ticket to every one of them you're writing tickets all night and not protecting or serving couldn't you just uh just get one ticket and be like, pass it on. <laughs> this is for this is a group ticket. Because the one time me and some other people got tickets for smoking, it was really, it took the police forever to do it. And the entire time they were pissed that the, um, you could tell that they were just frustrated that the, that the mall security called, called the real cops for it instead of just handling it themselves, which is just like, get out of here. Don't smoke here. Where was this? Columbus, Ohio. And when was this? Like a long time ago, or not a long time, but you know, I couldn't pinpoint the exact year. Right. I want to say. Did you have to pay money? Is that how it works? Yeah, it was just a fi- the cop, the real cop. You know, we were we were stopped by you know mall cops, 
And then he said, don't go anywhere. The real cops are on their way. So like they called the real cops before they even said anything to us because they were just watching us on security cameras mm-hmm. in a parking garage. I just fell for that old thing of like people often come up to me and go, we can smoke right over here. And I'm like, what? And they're like, we do it all the time. And like, you know, you can't fall for that every time, you know? <laughs> people will say things just to get me to smoke with them, which, right. you know, I, I appreciate that they're so excited about it. But so when the cops showed up, they were like, uh, you know, everyone's just getting a ticket is the first thing the cop says out loud to all of us. <laughs> Don't worry. Everyone's just getting a ticket. But then you also had to make a court appearance. Oh, and so it was a in Ohio? Of, yeah. So it was kind of a pain for me to work it out, and I did, and it was, you know, it ended up being fine, but it also just was just, you know, the only time I've ever been, uh, had the law get involved with me over marijuana to that degree. Right. Uh, you know, I've had cops say, don't do that here. That's, you know, that's usually what happens. Was it a big fine? A hundred bucks. Oh. Yeah. So more just a super pain in the ass. Just annoying. I had to go sit around in a courtroom for like a couple of hours. And now it's like to get, you live in Waiting to get in front of a judge. Yeah. No, that's the thing is I've, I've stood guilty in front of a judge in this country and now I am one. It's kind of like- Without in, any training. In your face, Ohio <laughs> judge. <laughs> Look how the tables have turned. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So despite the fact that I've had you on my show a bazillion times, I don't think we've ever really gotten into the Doug Benson story. What story is that? Just the story of you and uh, how you got to be where you are. Now, granted, we don't have time to do the whole Doug Ugh, Benson so story. So ridiculous. So many details. I know. Let's just do abridged. San Diego is where you grew up, yes? Mm-hmm. And you... Well, look, it's like I'm telling your story. Yeah. San Diego... I mean, I just, especially because of my, you know, stoner mouth, like telling that I would go off on so many, I would digress so many times. That's uh, why I'm going to keep what you kind of What kind of highlights are you looking for? I'm looking for... I'm sad that the um, uh, the arts are being taken away in schools because I don't think I'd be where I am today if it wasn't for uh, drama and music and, uh, you know, classes like that in school. No, I'm not looking for that. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, that's... Yes. Okay. So here, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what was your childhood like? Um, do you have siblings? And what were your first career aspirations? Uh, older brother, um, middle class, but also my, my dad probably worked harder to keep us feeling middle class than, uh, you know, that I feel like I would if I had kids, but you know, uh, in what knows? way do you mean? He just had to have multiple jobs to keep us in a, you know, we were in a nicer house than we could probably afford. Mm. So he worked harder to, to make it happen. And then what did your dad do? He was uh, teaching and sales, uh, you know, at the same time. So he did do sales calls at night and teach during the day. And he taught at like a continuation school, which is, uh, uh, you know, like this high school in the district where they send all the kids that are bad. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, I mean, he was never like in a bad mood around me, but I can imagine doing that all day. (laughs) Doesn't really lift one's spirits. (laughs) Just watching these delinquent kids. But um, I never got sent there. I went to high school in the same district, so that would have been super embarrassing to have to be sent there. And my dad is so that's probably what kept me in line a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so real nice upbringing in San Diego. No reason to have any of the the you know stand up comedy angst that you're supposed to have to mm-hmm. to become a comic, and just 
absolute passion for uh, movie and television and, you know, theater and all that stuff. So from 15, maybe the plan was show business and moving to Los Angeles and no idea that it would be stand up comedy, but stand up comics were all like all my favorite, you know, I like listen to their albums and stuff when I was a kid, not thinking this is what I want to do. Just, I just liked you it. You just liked it, yeah. Were you thinking that you wanted to be a film actor or yeah, stage? Yeah, like actor and, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe writing, but didn't, you know, the writing was more like, I was already uh, in San Diego, while in, while in high school, college, and then for, uh, you know, a brief time during college, I always had a job writing somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was paid or school, but I always had like, uh, and so eventually I was writing for the local local paper what i was still i was still a writing? teenager writing like reviews and interviews for the local uh paper in el cajon california it's called the daily californian mm-hmm. and uh so i was really writing stuff for them what kind and of stuff and re- movie reviews and Movies. Um, uh yeah but also like interviews like one time i got to go i got to like sit down and talk to lily tomlin for a oh, while oh cool stuff like that so it was weird I told you I'm, the digressions are endless with this is not, this, me and no, my this is show not a business digression. tale. So, it, well, it is because I get lost where I was supposed to be going uh, with all of that. That I, oh, so I also wrote for, I just wrote to this magazine called Box Office Magazine. It's just an industry trade magazine, but I noticed that they had like correspondence from each city. They would just mm-hmm. write these dumb little things like, you know, on Saturday night, they did a sneak peek of the new Barbra Streisand movie at this cinema and this many people showed up and it was really dry and had no personality. But I noticed that they didn't have a San Diego correspondent. So I reached out and I became like this San Diego correspondent to this industry magazine. <laughs> and my point just being that while I was in community college in San Diego, I was acting in stuff like local theater and I was writing for local papers and, and trade pubs and trade publications. But I was like, I was just kind of doing the stuff that I thought I was going to be doing in my life anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, money wise, my parents didn't have money for me to go to college. And I, you know, the idea of borrowing money or having student loans or any of that just never even occurred to me. It was like scholarship or nothing. Right. And I wasn't going to get a scholarship because my grades in anything that wasn't the arts were terrible. <laughs> like my my report card would be like drama, A, journalism, A, choir, A, math, D, <laughs> you know, just everything else would just be terrible. I tried three different languages in high school and couldn't couldn't get through a semester of uh, any of them mm. and then tried uh, another language in junior college i'm terrible i can't learn other languages it's not going to happen which ones did you try spanish german french esperanto just kidding <laughs> esperanto seems like there was so much hope for it yeah and it kind of went away but I had it easy. San Diego is a beautiful place to grow up, and I had it close to Los Angeles, which I thought of as like that's where show business is. That's where I got to be. That's that's where something's going to happen. And so the move to L.A. was not that traumatic. And then immediately once living in L.A., I just, uh, you know, within four months tried stand-up comedy, and then that's that set the path from there, like to just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um. Important question that 
the listeners want to know. <laughs> when you started writing for the, what was it called? The box office? Box officer? Box office magazine. Box office magazine. <laughs> I wonder what they're about. When you started writing for box office magazine, you said that they had all these dry reviews. Did you write in the- No, dry- not reviews. Like stories oh, about sorry, yeah, what's happening at the box office. Right. Dry. In, in individual cities and theaters. Like, Did you write <laughs> in the dry style or did you bring some Doug Benson to it? No, I, you know, whenever I would make anything, make it fun at all, they would just cut it or mm. change it. Like it was just, they just want to know the facts. Right. And um, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't particularly glamorous, <laughs> <laughs> but it was still like just the idea that I was so young and doing like in, in my exchanges with them. To get the job, we didn't discuss how old I was. How old you know, were I was you? just some guy saying, like I'd do it, and they pay you $50 an article or something. Yeah, I was like 16 years old. So it was like a, it was a fun bragging point to be like, I'm ready for a national magazine, but it was such a magazine nobody, no one I've mean, ever met has ever read it. It's like distributors. It's like uh, theater owners, mm-hmm. I think, would read it. I think. What's the doggy's name? That's Wendy. Hi, Wendy. Nice doggy. Do you ever miss journalism? Uh, no, because I have to write all the time, and uh, you know, um, and can write about anything I want. So, if I want to take a journalistic take on something, I can. But I was more into journalism as like the entertainment. You know, like I was the entertainment editor of the college paper, Grossmont College, and the paper was called the G. The G, and I hated that the whole, <laughs> all the way through. And there was always discussions about changing the name because it just, you know, it doesn't sound like a. It just doesn't sound important or Mm-mm. serious. It doesn't. I'm writing over. I'm writing on the G. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So I, but I was very. I was fairly ambitious within that small world of of junior college like i was always in uh theatrical productions there and i was always uh you know uh writing uh, writing articles for the paper or being an editor for the paper being an editor of a paper is a huge pain in the ass mm-hmm. like very long hours and like not that much creativity well the creativity is like and again might have helped me a little bit with my comedy and then eventually with twitter um it's headlines have to fit mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to write something that fits and you, but also is the headline for the article that makes sense you know right so uh and then you have to sit and, you know at least at that time you had to sit like with an exacto knife and cut out and the paste, letters and yeah. put them in there and you know it was uh it was a lot of work i mean but i you know i had a pretty good work ethic that uh you know i still have despite the uh the pot smoking you know like if i if it's work I don't dislike doing, I can do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people are always like, you travel so much. And it's like, yeah, because sitting on a plane isn't hard to do. It's not fun all the time. But when I get where I'm going, it's always fun. So you mentioned that there's nothing really in your childhood that would lead to the um, existential angst that comedians often, I forget if those were your words or if those were my words. Anyway, they're words. Or like, just make you an, like an angry person or a person who needs attention. You know? Right. So I had a pretty loving environment. Like like the whole family was like thrilled whenever I'd be like, hey, watch me do this. You know, I, I was a teenage magician. I didn't know about this. Douglas the Magnificent. Wow. Yeah. Do you, can you still do tricks? No. 
I mean, I'm not asking you to do them now. I'm just saying. No, I know. But I mean, there's probably a few things I could still sort of fake. And like when I see magic now, I'm like, I either, I either get it or I don't because there's plenty of tricks I'd never learned how to do mm-hmm. and lots of new ones being created all the time. But uh, uh, never been a huge fan of it. You I just, can handle one magic trick on America's Got Talent or something, but going to see a show where it's all magic. Like, I don't even think I've sat through a Penn and Teller show, and I think those guys are great. Mm-hmm. And yet you were drawn <laughs> to it as a teenager. Well, yeah, because it was um, a way to perform, and, like, you know, the patter is uh, already sort of written for you, but you could punch it up and make your own jokes. And... um I got, you know, figured out a way to get paid to do it at uh, kids that were younger than me at their parties. <laughs> well, so <laughs> here's my question. I was asking my dad to drive me to some weird place to do a <laughs> magic show for kids. And I had pet rabbits that I, I had a pan where you light a fire and you put the lid on. The rabbits is hiding in the lid. And then you open it up and the rabbit's there. And uh, I was always like not even concerned about how hot it was in there. Like, because you'd have to pack them in before going and doing the show. So is, another, is everything okay? That's with another reason rabbits, why though? I'm sort of uh, against a- use of animals for anything. Because I know that even the most innocent, oh, I love this bunny. Now get in here for a few hours right. where it's hot and cramped while we drive to the or you know while the kids are while getting ready for you, the yeah. Yeah, I mean, I probably had them out of the pan in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but they were okay, right? The night before, get in there. <laughs> Practice. Yeah, they but were they were generally here. okay, but it was very hot where we live, so like uh, bunnies don't do well in the extreme heat. So did I, they? I lost I mean, a few and then gave up on the idea of having animals in the show. Well, that answers Once my question. Once a few died, did in the, they meet in an the game. Untime, untimely demise? Yeah, did they die in in the pan? Never in the show. No, they always were alive when they when I'd open the pan. At least, well, <laughs> at least they had. Uh, a sense of showmanship. And I've kind they of forgotten waited. how to do some tricks because, like, I used to do the trick where you have somebody pick a card and then you tear a quarter uh, of the card and then uh, you produce a, a, an orange and cut it open and the, uh, you know, that part of the card is inside the middle of the orange. That kind of crazy magic shit. I would be impressed if I saw that. <laughs> I don't even know how to do it now. I mean, I kind of do. We'll Google it. Um, <laughs> So wait, to go back to the anger or the darkness, though, do you feel like you don't have that? Or do you just feel like it didn't come from your loving childhood? Yeah, I think, you know, there's obviously there's things that, uh, you know, uh, it, it wasn't perfect, but I just compared to every other story I always hear and and that people tend to like to talk about is that, you know, comedians are tortured and... You know, that's what they turn to comedy. In my case, it was probably more like, and there's probably more and more of that happening all the time, where it's just like, it was my way to fit in when I wasn't particularly athletic mm-hmm. or good looking was just to be, to make everybody laugh, you know, but it wasn't from this horrible, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was teased all the time because I figured it out early enough but do you to f- become like somebody that everybody just enjoys being around, you know? Right. Do you feel a pressure to be that guy? To be the guy that everyone in, like is that? Are you a people pleaser? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm more empathetic than uh, pleasing. Probably, I like feel like I'm not into like making fans wait for a long time outside, mm-hmm. but I do have to make them wait for a little while. Just because if you just pop right out there, then a bunch of people will just get a picture just because 
of proximity. Right. You know, it's like they would be in their car driving home if I just give them a second Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go do that. So I'll like, you know, I learned that from like Joe Rogan. Like he always, you know, waits a while before he goes out to, you know, meet the fans, but he meets the fans every time and I don't do it every time anymore because it's just, sometimes it's just hours of, you know, taking pictures. I misunderstood what you were saying. Um, (laughs) I thought you were talking about making like having them in the seats and waiting a while to oh, go Oh yeah, on. well making an audience wait for like I mean unless there's an extreme technical problem cuz even in most clubs even if you don't have a working microphone you could just walk out on stage and start talking and people understand what you're saying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're not <laughs> Right. But you're talking about af- making them wait before you go out to take photos after the show. And that's yeah. to like weed out the ones who don't really want it. Well, just to weed some out, just to, to bring the numbers down a little bit, but not, not not make them wait so much that it's, you know, then now they're just waiting for a long period of time. Just right. Just this opportunity that might not even come, you know, because a lot of times, you know, they're not even told specifically, oh, he's definitely going to come out, mm-hmm. you know. I've I've been guilty of sometimes like just hanging out inside with the other comics and starting to drink. And they went, oh, sh- sh- I got to go out there and say hi to whoever's waiting around outside. Um. But yeah, uh, nothing terrible ever happened to me. So, so where title, does your darkness my come from? <laughs> if you have darkness, it just it comes from being just a nerd. It just comes from being like like more into you know stuff that the other kids weren't. You know, uh, I just wasn't an athlete. You know, and wasn't uh, dating the cutest girls. So it's just more like. Just to get any attention at all, I just turned to being uh, goofy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think from hearing you on Paul Gil Martin's show a long time ago, I think that is where I learned. Yeah, that no, you're... he was really trying to get something out of me, like some <laughs> trauma that I had right. to go through, and and I I just don't have uh, anything really. Maybe your trauma was the experience of being on his show. <laughs> having him dig for it but you're like long-term relationship guy right mm. or you were oh well that sort of came out on his show is probably that i was like uh tried uh, you know was very much involved in a couple of they weren't that long term but they there were certainly ones where i felt like i mean have you ever been with somebody who you thought that's the person you're gonna like marry and stay with and or you're hoping that's what's gonna happen is that it? did that ever happen to you before it really happened um Yes, but I is where you were going that they decided that actually, sorry, I'm all over the place. (laughs) I was going to say, yes, I've had that happen. But then I realized, oh, this is not right. And then I broke up with him. But then there there have been a couple other people where I was pretty sure like this is the kind of person this is I yes. And then they were just not having it. Yeah, you really want them to be the one. And so all it takes is for them to acknowledge that even for a brief amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could turn out, they could change their mind or whatever, but you got to be on that page together at some point. And, uh, I just had two relationships in a row where when they decided it was over, it was just, they just wanted to cut and run. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I thought I was hoping that this was going to stick, right. you know, and not being able to get over it with, uh, any kind of also, uh, the fact that it was people that were already they were deeply in my world and didn't didn't leave uh, the orbit. They, they did, yeah. They didn't 
step out of that. You know, they would still want to be deeply in that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, still friends with all of my friends. That's hard. But also, so yes, that happened like twice in a row. And looking back on it, you know, I may, you know, I did plenty of things wrong and, and you know, and I'm ultimately grateful that in the two that broke up with me and the one that I broke up with, I had three pretty fairly long-term relationships that if, if it all had gone to plan or my plan, I would have married them, you know? And so now it just reset my whole, my whole life plan, which is just like, don't, don't even see someone that's that where that's going to happen. Wait, don't, don't see. even don't allow it to happen. Don't allow what to happen. Love uh, be in a be in a relationship that's headed towards marriage. I just I'm just putting it out there. I'm not marrying anyone ever. And I'm it was just from saying that all the time. And it was from a lesson you learned with those three, though, that you made that decision. Yeah, because yep. weren't weren't you pretty young then? Younger, yeah. So I've I've stuck to it pretty nicely. <laughs> yeah, I've really kept that game plan. So like, I don't even really, I never don't really have girlfriends, and I don't intend to marry anybody. But is and that's because you because it was so devastating when that happened back then. Yeah, I just didn't like it, and I've also along on the, uh, a separate track, but uh, and also an important one, as I've just decided that I just don't, I don't have the stamina or the will to have children. Mm-hmm. So that's another, re- that's like to me, you know, green cards, insurance, children. Those are the only reasons to get married to someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which are very important reasons right. if you're doing those things. Right. You know, but in my case, it's just like, uh, I-, I made it this far. I don't want to, I don't want to have a kid that's like, you know, at their high school graduation, I've, uh, you know, got a walker, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, I don't know what point I was trying driving at. And you don't have relationships either? Is that what you were saying? Well, I see people, you know, and we, yeah. uh, you know, I just am hopefully very open to the, you know, uh, putting it out there that I'm just not looking for someone to, you know, be in a, real relationship with right well i imagine that you might i think you said that you must have to be telling people that all the time right yeah but you'd be surprised how uh people just sort of get that vibe off of me (laughs) (laughs) i I don't find that surprising actually yeah but But i you know but i'm like punctual and return texts and stuff and i Mm -hmm. try not to be cruel to anyone and i'm not a one night stand guy really i I really do like uh, spending time with people see i'm the kind of person where when i was younger and and i did this a number of times like i would meet someone like you who doesn't want anything serious doesn't want to get married but is invested in the dating Mm -hmm. and is you know like you're saying punctual returns shows interest yeah and so i would be like well despite i mean it was so stupid despite the fact (laughs) they're saying all this Clearly, they're into this, so uh, I'm just going to ignore everything they said, and then I would get my heart broken. I feel like young women do that a lot. Yeah, I just um, there's uh, the weed aspect of it is a big uh, has been a big game changer for me because um, 
there's a an attract people are attracted to the idea of smoking weed with me so i meet women that you know could arguably be out of my league or not interested at all uh, other than for that reason mm-hmm. you know so i get to socialize with people and sort of just feel it out and see you know what what it is they want from me and a lot of times it's just like they're just satisfied with smoking with me and i'm sort of just satisfied with smoking with them you know like well, that was a pretty girl I just hung out with for a while. <laughs> that's it's not, so cash. That's not bad. You know, I can, <laughs> I can live with that, you know, but the more known I get, the more I like get, you know, a little bit more uh, reclusive, you know, because, because you don't know what people are up to sometimes. Well, I have, well, how do you mean? Like you just don't know what people's motives are. And you feel like there are shady people out there who not want- shady, just like I'll give you a, a great example, and maybe this guy will hear this, and it'll be interesting for him to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in Austin, Texas, for South by Southwest. I was walking down the street looking for a place to eat, and a dude standing out in front of one of the bars, like, "Hey, Doug Benson, how's it going?" I'm like, "Hey, what's up? Uh, does this bar have food? And he goes, no, but I'll, I'm going to take you to a place that does have food and I'm going to get you a free meal and all the drinks you want. It's right over there. And he points to a place like next door. I'm like, all right, go in there with the guy. Will not leave my side (laughs) for any reason. Right. While I eat the food that he's getting me and the drinks. He bought time with you. Exactly. And, I get that mentality totally, but he was so uh, drunk or on pills or something and so um, just aggressively like any subtle attempts to not make it all about just me and him mm-hmm. having a conversation would be greeted with, hey, what's what's going on? Like, you know, I'm hooking you up, you know. It's just like, no, I can afford a meal and some <laughs> drinks, dude. I just, I just asked for a place. You know, because people are very generous and it's sweet and I I love it when someone's like, hey, I'll get you a meal. But the guy should be like, walk in there and say to the manager, hey, this is so-and-so. Did he just mean I'll get you a meal and free drinks as in he's going to pay for all I of it? I think he paid for everything. <laughs> I don't think he was... I thought he was like, oh, I know this place That's where the, what it sounded the guy like, that yeah. runs it's going to be so thrilled Doug Benson walked in. Right. But when I walked in, he introduced me to the guy and the guy clearly had no idea who I was. <laughs> and then so he's still committed to buying me stuff. Right. You know? Well, and so it's it just sucks that that can happen, that there could be like, they're, they're, you're not on the same page with a person. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I just ended up kind of being frustrated for the whole, you know, I had to eat all the food and I had to hang out drink with all this the guy drinks. for, I mean, <laughs> what he wanted he was getting, but then at the end I was like anxious to go. Right. And so, and he was picking up on that. And yeah. Just being like, you know, oh, you, you know, just that. Yeah, you you take my food and drink, but uh, you know you don't want to hang out. Yeah, and he kept offering me every drug there is, and I was just like, I'm just a weed guy. But what then, else did he have? Or was know, he going to get mushrooms? It? Well, that's the thing; he's just a big talker. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. Who knows what adventures I would have gone on if I had a specific <laughs> thing I wanted? I need right. some Molly. All right, we're going to go to Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy. You know, it could turn into a whole thing. Right. So, because people say to me all the time, wow, you're just like walking around by yourself in a, a, you know, kind of a party zone or whatever. And I'm always like, yeah, what's the big deal? But, you know, it starts to get more and more where like uh, people get too intense and you don't know what to, you know, you think, oh, if I had like a posse, like I get entourages for, Mm -hmm. for the really famous, 
You know, I get that because there's just something about having a bunch of people around you that insulates you from that. That kind of also stuff a that there's bit. job to do that, right? Know? That's what I don't like about it. I don't want to pay someone to do that. I also don't want my friends to do that. So I just want to. I just want to hang out. You know. So that's why. You need to find a lot of someone, times you just gotta stay home. You gotta find someone in <laughs> in between friend and employee, fan. <laughs> you need to make an entourage of fans who will protect you from other fans. Well, I've become friends with fans, so there's you know, so there is that possibility. But the fact that a lot of fans just are really psyched to try to flip it into friendship, mm-hmm. they come on really strong, really fast, and it's hard to you know. Well, hard to deal with. I, I've mentioned before of all the um, sort of well-known-ish people I've walked around with. Walking around New York with you, I was amazed how difficult it is to sort of get from one place to another without a lot of people stopping you. And of course, it's awesome that they're stopped. I've just never. I've you're. You're like the biggest star I've walked around with based on how many people are coming up to you. It was, it's, it was crazy how just everyone it – was, it was like walking around with Madonna. Wow. <laughs> That's, Maybe not exactly. You. like walking, You know what I'm saying. Though. Right, but you're making me sound less crazy for sitting here even talking about Well, what I mean is I feel security. like I've spent, I've spent time with a lot of comedians and been in the presence of a lot of comedians, um, but – with you, it was like another, just another level. It was astounding to me. Everyone knows you. There's a and comfort they're level always talk too. To you. Yeah, they're they're com- they're comfortable talking to me. Yeah, a lot of them. I still get tweets from people. I saw you in this such and such a place, but I didn't say anything. And um, and also though, like if someone just yells at me on the street, I just keep moving. I don't mm. I don't stop for that. You know, if if they want to run and catch up to me, which they do a lot, and that's <laughs> that's a little scary. Right. But I'm not going to stop you know, to say hi to somebody that just yells my name at me. And I think at the time that, that we were in New York, well, I was living in New York and you were there and we, and we hung out a few times. That was when people for the most part knew you from best week ever. Yeah. Which is a real, like, you know, people just, it it drops the, the barriers start to fall down when it's just your face talking at them. You know, it's their show they watch every week. Right. And it's just you with your name sitting there saying stuff so they when they see you it's like hey it's like and i and i get that way now all the time with i'll never stop uh not i'll always enjoy seeing celebrities mm-hmm. at every level you know like if i see a poker player from tv i'm excited if i see a figure skater or an athlete or but you know the best of course is really famous uh, actors and actresses or presidents or whatever. <laughs> you know, uh, I love all that stuff and I love I, I never get sick of it. But I also, you know, find myself, you know, as they like to say these days, you know, fangirling out on people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard not to do that. What's your most recent fangirl moment? Hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. It's all such a blur. But oh, what's her name? Uh, you know, what's her name? I love her. I love her in that. What what do you call it? That that thing she was in. Yeah, that was. She's awesome. Um, no, I met the actress. Now, now it's really bugging me that I can't uh, just bring up her name right away. But uh, uh, she won best supporting actress for the fighter playing uh, Mark Wahlberg's mother, 
and she's really good. And I, uh, just met her uh, last week at South by Southwest, uh, Melissa Leo, mm. because she's, um, she's starring in this new, uh, 70s set TV show about, uh, kind of about the comedy store, not specifically, but <laughs> bless you. But that, <laughs> the pollen. Yeah. That I ordered. <laughs> the pollen it's that really, I had delivered yeah, to the it's studio. Just it's, a, uh, you know, it I, was a bad idea. I don't pay any attention to like, I don't wake up each day going, what's the pollen count? What's right. how's it going to be today? I just sort of live and, and go, oh, it must be allergy season if I'm sneezing a lot. But I turned on the TV just in time the other day to uh, in, when I was in Texas or I was in Austin to see a person showing a map of the United States Saying that, like, because normally all, all the super pollen and when it gets really bad, it's just in the south. It's just a warm, more of a warm weather thing. Mm-hmm. When warm weather hits at the end of winter uh, is when it can get really bad. But they showed a map where it's like getting up into and over New York now. So I can't even be like, oh, I'll just go to New York right. and feel better. Like, it's just, uh, but it was just we weird to, to, to see uh, a map of most of the country, like all this area. People with allergies are going to have a bad time right now. Yeah. And and just see the evidence of why I'm feeling bad at that moment. It was weird. It's kind of validating. <laughs> validating, but also scary. Let's take some questions that people sent in on Twitter. But first, uh, I want to say, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, I mean, Amazon has everything, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It helps out the show. Thank you for your Amazon support. Also, I'm on Patreon. Patreon is awesome. It's sort of like Kickstarter, but you can support artists, podcasters, etc. on an ongoing monthly basis. There's different reward levels, so you can get extra bonus episodes every month. There's an um, interactive live video stream that I do. There's a level where you get merchandise, all sorts of fun stuff. Check it out. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Rosen. Patreon.com, <clears throat> excuse me, slash Allison Rosen. Okay. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Okay. Sam mm-hmm. Vance wants to know, mm-hmm. uh, who's easier to work with insofar as not talking constantly? Todd Glass, Pete Holmes, or TJ Miller? Well, that's a good one because those guys. I I, I got to go with Todd Todd Glass, but Pete Holmes and T.J. Miller in particular are two of the, my favorite funny people who I've found to be incredibly frustrating to uh, <laughs> to do a podcast in front of an audience with because they are uh, just nonstop comedy and uh, not necessarily concerned with me and my rules. <laughs> And um, so it's very funny, and the listeners uh, and the people that are at the live shows, they enjoy watching my frustration. Mm-hmm. But um, Todd has gotten more... Uh, Obedient? That's not the right word for it. <laughs> but yeah, Respectful. he's just... Yeah. And and also, TJ and Pete, they're just both uh, growing and growing and becoming bigger and bigger. And uh, so I don't I don't think there's any reason for them to you know, change. <laughs> it's, it's working out great for them. So I'm happy to just embrace it. And, and whenever they are willing to come on my shows, just, uh, just lean into the chaos. You know who I love, who I met from doing your show. Um, actually two people who I've now had on my panel show who are both, um, really good. David Huntsberger mm-hmm. and Sean Jordan. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love those guys. 
Um, okay, a bunch of people wanted had similar questions to the one I'm about to ask. Ashley Metzer says, "Have you heard from is it owner, owner or Anne since the shitstorm they created on Doug Love's movies?" So what happened? A couple weeks ago, Owner Tuchel and Anne Hache were uh, two of the guests on the show, and I mean this is a really involved thing. But uh, bottom line for our purposes here <laughs> is that. Uh, they were pretty much thrown off fairly early on for doing what, uh, being just disruptive and, uh, unwilling to participate in a human manner. (laughs) (laughs) God damn. I wish I'd heard it. Yeah. And there's only, you know, owner is this director who I threw him off of a podcast a few years ago at a film festival. (laughs) And, but we remained friends and it was just, written off as he was just nervous and a little drunk Mm -hmm. and that, you know, uh, he didn't mean any harm by it. And so then when the idea came up through a publicist for him to, because he's a director and he has this new movie with Anne Heche in it. So when the idea came up for the two of them to be on the podcast, I welcomed the idea because I think she's a great actress and uh, I knew that he would be wanting to make up for what happened the last time. But then the two of them hit the ground running and neither one of them would just answer any, they wouldn't answer straight questions. They wouldn't participate in what is already a format that I do regularly and people mostly participate. Right. Were they <laughs> refusing to answer questions or like talking around it or talking Just trying to stuff? make their own jokes. And their own kind of like, uh, I think... I don't think of Anne as a particularly funny woman. No. And she was, everything she tried, it was it was kind of like dealing with an unfunny heckler. <laughs> like every single thing she'd say. And she'd even, uh, you know, you could just see her like try, kind of pitching it to the crowd. Like, can you believe this guy about me in front of, like they just didn't get... In front what, of Benson Burners. They didn't get where they were at or what was happening. Yeah. Uh, but he should have because he'd been through it once before up to the point where he got thrown out. They're just both very difficult and also kind of, to use an expression I've already said on this show, they both like to lean in to, if it's going bad, they like to try to make it worse. They don't mm. want to just, they don't want to try to really fix it. Do you think they got what was happening and were just sort of entertained by it? So they leaned into it? I think it's a little of both. I think it's like they just don't know how to do it. They're not professional comedians. They're not podcasters. They're not, you know, they're not used to, they've spoken in front of audiences, but they're not, you know, I mean, I guess maybe she's been in some plays. I don't know. But it was just bizarre. She came out and there was a poster for the movie that I was going to give away as part of the prize bag. And she came out and before I could even introduce her, other than having just said, here's Anne Haitian owner Tuchel, and Sandra O oh was there too, and she was delightful. Mm-hmm. But uh, first thing she starts doing is she starts saying, "I need some tape." And what? I'm like, "What does she need tape for? What what kind of tape? What are you talking about? Tape, tape, tape! Isn't this a theater? Where's the tape? I need some tape." She sounds. Okay, Let's get ahead. some tape in here. And then she's <laughs> just saying stuff like, "What kind of theater doesn't have tape?" Like she's insulting the place, talking about tape, and she's on a <laughs> podcast where she's refusing to. And I'm like, "Okay, we'll get you some tape, but." Uh, you know, can Did we? Did she can, want to tape up the poster? Is that what you're talking about? And then once she finally got some fucking gaffer's tape, 
she just sloppily taped the poster to the wall <laughs> of the back of the theater. Well, that works for a podcast and, as well. You know, and people sort of kind of applauded, like, okay, mission accomplished. But then, you know, there was no like, okay, now let's get into it. Like, right. we just never got into the groove. And then the director and the actress both sort of like teamed up against me mm. with Sandra O oh just sitting there like <laughs> O faced with her just her jaw dangling. <laughs> Cause she didn't know what was going on, but once I kicked them off, she stayed and I sort of walked her through how pro- the program's supposed to work, pulled two people out of the audience oh, how fun. to take their seats. And so it ended up being a, a fun episode, but it is, it is insanely awkward. And owner- Were they altered? <laughs> I think so. I mean, that's the that's thing is he like. blamed alcohol the first time. And then this time they did a press junket all day from like 8 a.m. to 4.30. And then they had five hours off and owner and uh, Anne went to dinner together mm. and then came to my podcast at, at 9.30. Arrived around 9.40. So they were late. But UCB runs late a lot. They right. have no way to know that. But they were running late. So it worked out. But they were still... There was no prep time. There was no time for me to explain to her how the show works or what's going to happen. Right. So that was another problem is once she got out there, it just became this real hostile, like where she was just sort of at, at one point she goes, do you, will you just interview me? What? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, she has no idea what she's at. She really thought she was at, this guy's just going to moderate a panel about us in our movie. Right. And that's why she needs to put the poster up. Yes. Tape. Yes. Yeah. She was quite a handful. And since then I've, I, I, I've talked to a, someone who's good friends with her and says, oh yeah, she's crazy. <laughs> that's know, what like, it sounds like. like she's just a crazy but from your story that's what yeah and, and I, she's known for that being a good actress is yeah well i even said at one point i stepped right into it i was just like are you even from this planet and she goes no i wrote a whole book about it like she thinks she's from another planet <laughs> okay so, I celestia yes yeah, no it was she kind of uh melted down publicly right. at one point right well yeah i mean where she says she's from another planet and stuff and she still believes that. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, look, who can say, really? Um, Paul Byrne says, does he share any of Woody Harrelson's concerns? And does he think fans will turn on him if he ever quit? Did Woody Harrelson announce that he's not smoking anymore or something? Yeah, he was like, I haven't, I think he said he hasn't smoked for a year. It was like an AP news story. So my, I just laughed at like uh, whoever retweeted it wrote something like this is news, you know, <laughs> but apparently he's uh, off of it. But I don't, I don't, the question's more complicated. I don't, I don't, I never heard anything about why Woody Harrelson decided to stop. Right. I don't know what those concerns are. I assume maybe like the inability to remember his lines. He's a mm. professional actor. So maybe that was becoming a problem for him. Maybe he's worried about, you know, there's some studies that say there might be some forms of cancer that could be uh, caused by marijuana. But I, I, I still don't think that the, uh, you know, that that's uh, necessarily anything conclusive. So I, I I don't know. I mean, I do know that the I would have a certain number of fans who would be like, "You pussy, you pussy, you sell out. Uh, how could you? How could you do that to us?" But David Tell seems to be doing all right now that he doesn't drink, and I'm sure he gets offered drinks everywhere he goes still. Yeah. So I probably get through it, but I really like weed, so I think we're good. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and I don't have lines to memorize. Listen to Black Sabbath <laughs> says. Actually, it's listen to bulk Sabbath. Question mark? No, I'm just saying that's how it's. There's, there's, you know, it's not a lot of vowels going on. Oh, I since see. Since it's on Twitter, ask Doug about the time he almost got in a 
bar fight with John John Claude Van Damme. He teased it on Doug Love's movies, but never told the story. Yeah, I thought that was really funny to uh, bring it up and then not tell it. Would you like to continue with that? <laughs> with I think that? so. Okay. I like it. It was just a silly. It wasn't really. A, I, I mean, that that makes it sound like I really was gonna maybe fight him, but it was more. The joke was that I, uh, sort of started it, but you know he ended it really fast mm. by saying that you know he can't fight people. Because you could have taken him because he'd be screwed financially if he punched anybody in a bar. Right. So he backed down, but it was just funny. <laughs> it was just funny that I was goofing around like I wanted to fight him, and then he backed down. <laughs> that's pretty much, it was just a brag about how, you know, I acted like I wanted to fight him. But of course, that's the last thing I wanted. Right. Um, let's do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me? Or everyone. All right. This is where people write in with things they think or do. They wonder, is it just them or is it everyone? Uh, Leanne Ward says, I'm becoming increasingly annoyed by the phrase to play devil's advocate. The devil does not need or deserve an advocate. I'd never really thought about that phrase till now. I see your point. Yeah, people usually say when they're about to say something to you, you don't think you, they think you don't want to hear. Right. Or that they think both sides need to be equally measured in a situation. Yeah, like, I feel like they're like, let me just help you do your thinking by saying that. Yeah, and it's also, it's just a common expression. So mm-hmm. people say a lot of things that they don't. <laughs> right. That it's just an expression that's there, ready to go. <laughs> they don't, isn't it really like to play devil's surrogate? Because you're not really advocating for You're not devil. saying, yeah, the devil is awesome. You're saying the devil does have some ideas that are worth looking at. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe. Maybe the devil is right this time. Yeah. <laughs> but I do not advocate the devil's no. overall vibe. I'm not I'm not down with his his or her general Ener- I don't like his energy. Attitude. <laughs> yeah, the, ener- the energy is terrible. Also, the whole being fictional thing is really holding back the devil. Or or does he benefit from that? <laughs> um, Katie doesn't tweet, says, when referring to someone else with my first name, I use their last name too. Silly, because I'm the other Katie. I called up my brother the other day, and he answered, and I addressed him with his full name. I'm like on a full name kick. I probably called you Doug Benson. Do you feel also kind of like insane right now a little bit? Because I had a child and I'm not getting any sleep? Yeah, maybe. Yes. That's why you do it. Because <laughs> it's just a known thing that I've pointed out that when you're like watching a movie, when a woman refers Uh-oh. to a male character by his first and last name a lot, when uh-huh. they're constantly using both names, that person ends up like, you know, killing their pet rabbit and that kind of stuff. I, I was not aware of this trend. <laughs> I, I think I made it up, but I mean, I think. But you, something you've noticed. I've talked about it. and But also just in, in real life, whenever somebody's like saying my first and last name too many times, I'll like point it out to them, you know, like. Like with the promising thing you just said to me right now. Yeah, the person, <laughs> you must be crazy because You're you keep using my your, first and yeah. last name. I've got to get a rabbit first. Or it's, but it's also, I guess it's kind of a quirk uh, that some people have. And also uh, maybe a, uh, sometimes it's a, a memory 
tool like if you re- repeat the person's first and last name you're more likely to remember all of it maybe I think that's kind of what it is yeah because I'll have that thing where I'll call someone I have like last minute fear I forgot their name syndrome like I'll sort of freeze when I'm introducing people mm-hmm. um, and I think especially but this is not like what she's saying this is more as a podcaster especially if it's someone where I don't really know them this doesn't doesn't apply to today but if it's someone where I don't really know them and I'm I'm sort of used to just thinking of them as their full name. Like my brother. <laughs> I only know of him from his work. I say the full names like w- w- during the games and stuff on a Douglas movie just as a, you know, kind of a refresher a for yeah. the listener to that, you know, instead of just saying first names because then afterwards it'd be like, who was that Scott guy? You know, it's like, you know, turns out he was Scott, whoever. But, um, yeah, I just uh, that is a was the- it Scott Foley from Felicity? A- <laughs> no, but that's a theory <laughs> that I've had for a while. That like it's just a kind of a, I think it's more of a shorthand for the writer to imply that a woman is crazy because she uses first and last name when re- referring to people, right? Or no, like, I get or like that. Diane on Cheers would say Sam Malone a mm. lot. She'd say his whole name, right? Yeah. And she was crazy. Well, she was. You know, they pa- they painted her into that corner. Of being the one that's, you know, this is not leaving en- the show and not. Yeah, this is not <laughs> encouraging at all. Okay, <laughs> Jessica Lee says Easter candy is the best. Just me or everyone? I feel like it's neck and neck with Halloween candy. Um, it depends on where you stand on two things, in my opinion. Let me hear it. Cadbury eggs, Cadbury eggs, and Peeps. I I enjoy Peeps. I know that they taste just like whipped chemicals. I but like those that. Those are two. Those are the basics of Easter yeah. candy these days, and they're both extremes. Like they're not. They're they're sort of like circus peanuts. You know how? Yes. Or Necco wafers. Right. Or candy corn. There are candies. Candy corn. Great example. Real polarizing. There are candies that are super polarizing, and Easter. Is only polarizing candies. Right. Whereas Halloween's got lots of ones that everybody, nobody's against a Reese's peanut butter cup. Sure, they'll make a Reese's egg and those are delicious. Yeah, but it's not. But it's cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so where are you on Peeps and uh, Cadbury eggs? Because Peeps and Cadbury eggs, they haven't even found a way to change the shape of them for Halloween. They just stick to Easter. Right. (laughs) They stay in their lane. (laughs) So how do you feel about them? I I love them both, but they're disgusting. Mm -hmm. You know, Peeps is too too smushy and marshmallowy, and and the outside coating doesn't even feel like any kind of food. No, it's just just texture. (laughs) And then the the Cadbury egg, they make smaller ones now, but it's still just, it's just an explosion of goo. It's just too much, too much. This actually just came up recently on an episode of my show. Cadbury eggs have changed because Kraft bought them. I did not know this. Oh, so they're not even the same flavor. I inside? guess they're a little bit. Di- they're a little bit different. Forever. Me neither. I the sense I got was they're a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. Um, a little less good, probably. Probably. Mm. Probably. Maddie Porter says, "Really hate slash don't get the Netflix crooked smile icon thing. Just mirror everyone. I have not had any strong thoughts about the Netflix icon. I can't even conjure it in my head." Yeah, me neither. Sorry. Sorry, it's just you. It's not, you know what? Just you or everyone or not us. That's <laughs> where is changing this? the segment. Where would you see it? Probably on your phone on the, it's probably the Netflix icon. It is? I don't know. Do you have Netflix on your phone? Yeah. I'm going to look at it right now. Actually, I don't know. 
I'm going to keep my phone in my pocket to not mess up this recording, but I'm pulling it out. I'm going. Well, this is coming alive for the listener. Well, yeah, you, that, that they, absolute silence. Oh, you know what? You I'm sorry. It's just that. an N. <laughs> it's just an N. The thing. What is this crooked smile she's talking about? Maybe she's talking about Amazon. Oh, the A to Z thing. Well, the, that makes more sense. Because I don't think Netflix has this. No, I'm not recalling it. I'm not seeing anything. I think she must be talking about Amazon. Amazon has that thing that is either a smirky smile or an arrow. A- Yes, and and it goes from A to Z. Right. I think that's that must be what she's talking about. I don't like how like on billboards for Netflix there's a big weird N like that's just sort of next to whatever's going on in the in whatever show it is they're advertising, like the uh Santa Clarita diet will be Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant all like dressed in their suburban outfits with a cooler full of blood. But then there's a big like it just looks like a like you're at a construction site or something. It just looks like a big metal N right there. Hmm. And then they, you know, stick it into other stuff too. And I, I, I don't get it. I think it, you know, clutters it up and everyone should just see the word Netflix and know exactly what that is. Right. As opposed to the N, <laughs> which they won't know what it is. You know, is. they don't need a whole golden arches kind of thing <laughs> to lure people in. You know, it's, it's, it's Netflix already. So right. It's, uh, people know what it is. <laughs> I'm going to tell that to the guy that runs Netflix, too, because I've got his email. Mr. Net? Yeah. Mr. Flix? Mm-hmm. Leela Rolling Stone says, accidentally honk horn when getting out of car, then worry that someone thinks I was honking at them. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I just agree with that in general. I would have that, too. I yeah. don't find I honk my horn a lot when I'm getting out of my car, but I would, I would worry. I would feel loud. Yeah, I hate when the when a car like that's like a couple of cars down from you in one direction or another is doing something somebody doesn't like, and they try to honk, but they're when now, they honk through you now they're like up your ass. Yeah, yeah. and I don't like being the person. I I don't like trying to honk at things that are happening. You know, right. beyond the person right in front of me. Yeah, uh, but right because there's no way to be like. It wasn't me. It was that guy. You just do a lot of stupid arm flailing and yeah. shrugs and stuff, and uh, you know maybe trying to pull up to him at a light like down the road and, and look at him and say sorry, or right? Whatever. Address them by their first and last name so they'll know. Oh, you're crazy. But it's just so easy for stuff to escalate, you know. Like the road rage thing is. That is something that I'm. I'm always afraid of that. Yeah, not well, a I, lot of people I know. I'd rather are. not get involved. No, people like just. I'll do it sometimes too, and I I hate it when you just sort of like immediately lay on the horn or something without like taking a second to be like, well, this is probably going to fix itself, and the person that's making the problem might not appreciate being honked at. I had two friends in (laughs) New York. This is not a driving thing. This is just a things escalating thing. Two friends in New York, both of them petite-ish women who – wanted to get into fights wherever they went and weren't afraid of it and <laughs> yeah. would even threaten to get into physical. And th- these were like little blonde girls. Um, and it always, I just would always thought, where is your fear? Cause I walk around afraid of everything all the time. <laughs> they had none yeah. of that. Yeah. There's people out there. They're just like throw themselves into that kind of, you know, let's go out there and mix it up. And uh, I stay away from that. Yeah. I move along. If possible. 
And lastly, Leonie Hughes says, just mirror everyone, I almost, uh, sorry, I feel like almost knocking something over has a worse effect on my nerves than actually knocking it over. Yes, because you do that like flinch thing of like, ah, I almost just, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I can't get too into that one. I, I, the relief of not really knocking it over is probably going to play a stronger part in my reaction to the situation. Well, look who's really well adjusted. <laughs> I get it. No, I mean, you know, it almost no. like makes you happy that you yes. came close to doing something fucked up and then didn't happen. But then, but doesn't doesn't it rattle your nerves though to be like, ah? I guess so. The the shock of it, I guess. I'm not a fan of like, uh, you know, when someone gets the drop on me, like if I'm sitting in a bar or something and they talk like directly into my ear, <laughs> you know, especially if it's not someone I know, but even when it's somebody I know, like I always enjoy it in a movie or TV show when somebody like surprises somebody, but their reaction or like on clip blooper clips, mm-hmm. their reaction is to just immediately lash out. <laughs> You know, like right. it's, spo- it's like a nice little surprise, boo, and then just punch him in the face. <laughs> you know, like that 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 tickles me because that's always my sort of reaction is I'm always like, I what if I, what if you shocked me in a way where I thought I had to protect myself, right, with right. that behavior? What if what if I just punched you in the face? It could happen. <laughs> oh, and don't yell in my ear. A question from before, and now I don't remember who sent it, but I saw it and I wanted to know the answer. So, okay. person who sent this one in. On Friends, when you said she got it at Bloomies, was yeah. that an ad lib? My mom calls it Bloomies. No, That's that what was I meant. that was the absolute line in the script. It was one of those things where I don't know how often this happens on shows like that, but me and two other dudes got got the call. Like they were like, one of these three people is going to say these two lines with, mm-hmm. to Jennifer Aniston, and uh, you know, I practiced it over and over again. It's just two things, and then. Um, I get there, and one of the other two dudes is Paul Gilmartin. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'll never forget. So wait, you got? Was he in that episode as well? No, or? I got the part. Oh, I see. Yeah, so he, you got he there. He didn't get it. He had to go in there and go. My mom calls it Bloomies, just like I did. Right. But I think that the word Bloomies is just in my me. I can't say it without people being amused by <laughs> Bloomies. You know, it's just like it works. It just came together nicely, and um. Like, they were like, can you stick around? And like two hours later, I'm saying that to Jennifer Aniston. Because I got the part on their like rehearsal day. So then I went over there and rehearsed the scene. Uh Uh-huh. Went home for two days. And then on tape day, came and sat there for eight hours to shoot a, you know, my scene was like, they, they did it twice. And they used the second take on the show because the laughter was lasted too long in the first take. Huh. Yeah, wow. that's how good I am. <laughs> at, at saying the word <laughs> bloomies. So wait, did you just do one audition for it? Yeah. Or, okay. And then just went right to set and was doing it. Yeah. And I, and I had a full-time job at the time. What were you So doing? I had to tap dance around that, writing promos for the WB Network. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask them, can I go audition for Friends? And then I didn't <laughs> ask them, can I be on Friends? <laughs> I right. had to like really sneak around. It was funny. That's so cool. <laughs> Have you seen Jen? Are, are you are you and Jennifer Aniston friends now? No, no, I couldn't make that one stick. I ran into her and Brad Pitt at a party once, and they were both super nice. And then when that all fell apart, I was so sad because I was like, you know, if I ran into both of them, I really felt like I could talk to them. But now every time I see Jennifer Aniston, it's at some sort of thing where 
it's not casual enough for me to walk up and go, remember I had one line in a scene <laughs> with you and then we met at a party briefly? You right. know, it's not enough to hang on walking up to one of the world's most famous actresses who's probably at a premiere or something. Those are the only places I ever see her mm-hmm. is stuff like that. So, no, couldn't keep that one going. But I, you know. Tried. I, I gave it a shot. Well, she, good. she and Brad were so sweet to me. I smoked weed with him. It was awesome. Now he doesn't smoke weed. Maybe he's back on now that he and Angelina have split. Maybe that's part of the reason they broke up because she didn't want him smoking weed around the kids. Maybe you could get him on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Try, you know. No way. Someone asked me recently, you know, what's your wish list for guests either on your podcast or bailiffs on the high court? And I, my answer is I don't I don't have one. I, I, I just want the coolest people that have say yes to do it mm-hmm. like i don't want to sit around hoping someone's gonna do it you know because then you're disappointed if they don't yeah and i think actually if i were to name like my wish list of people that i would want to get on my show i have not reached out it, it would take me some time to think of it but i also have not reached out to any of them because it's like these are people that i don't think i'm gonna get yeah. no offense <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that's just how I feel. I mean, you know, and some things fall in my lap now through publicists and stuff. And um, I met that Melissa Leo because I I moderated a panel of this new show that she's on, and I also got to meet some other uh, actors from that show that I admired that I'd never met before. And uh, one of them, I even you know ended up we ended up uh, pursuing each other on Twitter, you know, following each other on Twitter, so I can just you know speak directly to her mm-hmm. and. Um, so that's great when that happens, you know, because I, I, I'd rather get the publicist out of the equation as quick as possible because, y- you know, you're just playing the telephone game all the time. Right. You know, and uh, not pu- my publicist is great. <laughs> like the details for what to do when I arrived for this yeah. were, re- were spot on. She's even like, make sure you hold the rail on those steps. No, she, she didn't say that. But um, yeah. Yeah, actually, she was very easy to deal with. There wasn't a lot of that publicist Yeah, no, because she's bullshit. not, she, doesn't, she yeah. doesn't go out to the, you know, she's not the publicist that wants to be at the premiere. Mm-hmm. She's just fine working out of an office, you know, which I love. I love that about her. And uh, I'm sorry, since we do know each other and have each other's phone number, when you were like, do you want to come on the show again? I threw it to my publicist. I felt like, you know, some sort of show business a-hole. I didn't mind. But I knew I figured I knew it, it would just... streamline it. I knew it would make it easier. Yes. But a lot of times when somebody goes, let's do it through my publicist. It makes it a thousand times harder. It's a huge pain. Because yeah. it's like three months of back and forth emails and then finally you just reach out to them. Or I've had, I've had it where I've been going back and forth with someone's publicist and then that person will just reach out to me, usually on Twitter, direct message and be like, hey, sorry, this is so yeah. hard to book. Um, you know, Are you available this day or whatever? So yeah, that's that's when it's annoying is when it, because, because now all of a sudden you're writing to a publicist and you're saying, are these days available? They have to write to the person and say, are you available? And, you know what I mean? It's just this extra level. Yeah, it's just all just this back them, and forth. Right. And then when there's details they need to know, don't ring the bell, knock, that kind of thing. Right. That gets lost most of the time. I've dug those movies, have done, you know, 10 years of episodes, and most of those we've had the element where the guests bring something for me to put in the prize bag and give to an audience mm-hmm. member. And publicists forget that part. They just completely space on it. Or the thing they think that the person should give away is a box of 50 posters for the film. 
Like why <laughs> it's not gonna fit in a bag. It's why would one person want to win all those posters? Right. I mean, some might, but you know, they just they just make weird choices that are like not what I've asked for, <laughs> or they forget to pass along. You know, because sometimes the publicist won't even be there. Mm-hmm. Like person will just show up, and I'll go, "Do you have anything for the prize bag?" And they go, "What are you talking about?" What I always wonder, <laughs> what I always wonder is when you write to a publicist to see if their client is interested. Does that always reach the client? What do Mm-mm. you think? I don't think so. But I think that uh, I know that most of what I'm dealing with is publicists that have figured out that I'm a place where they where someone can promote stuff mm-hmm. and they come at me with either people that are wildly inappropriate for the show or they or they don't even do any follow-up research on what the show is. Right. They don't even know what they're pitching to their clients. And some of them just have a kitchen sink kind of mentality. Like, mm, let's yes. get them on everything we can. Yeah. And let's not, let's let it sort itself out that they have no idea what kind of show they're going on. So, like, the worst, you know, almost every terrible guest on the show that I've had over the years has been because it was set up through a publicist and I don't really know the person and I don't even have their phone number or their Twitter. So, there's no, no real communication with me with that person. And they don't know what it is they're, who are the other up for. famous disasters? Well, they weren't famous disasters. I mean, they they went you know they went okay. So or, it wasn't. Or a... we got we got through it. But usually, when a publicist suggests somebody, uh, they're not thinking, "Oh, this person needs to be comfortable around funny people and not think that they have to be funny," because mm-hmm. that's the biggest mistake people make because they try too hard to be funny. And then also, you know, don't lose your mind if you don't know the answers to the trivia <laughs> questions. Don't. Don't act like we're asking you, don't act like we're, you know, you're Sarah Palin and we ask you what magazines you read. It's just <laughs> a silly game where you don't have to excel at it. Yeah. <laughs> but so people just sort of trip out a little bit uh, sometimes. There's an actress, now I'm going to have trouble thinking of her name. Walker is her last name. Um, Allie Walker. Mm. She used to play, she used to be on one of those, ep, uh, one of the earlier uh procedurals where she was uh you know uh profiling mm-hmm. you know like she could get in the mind of serial killers she's a oh. hot lady who could think like right. serial killers <laughs> and catch them it was called the profiler i'm in <laughs> yeah and um it was on nbc like you know friday nights for a while and i always liked her she was also like in an excedrin commercial or something and just a pretty actress you know and so when it came across my desk that she had written and directed a movie I was like, oh, great, yeah, that's slam dunk. I'd love to meet her, and it'll be fun. And she came and uh, didn't know what the thing was that she was getting into and just kind of turned into, it's funny, they mentioned her earlier, Shelley Long's character on Cheers, mm-hmm. just very, like, trying to be funny, but also a know-it-all, and also just, like, just, uh, it just got, we just didn't connect and she didn't connect with the other guests or the audience. And it was just an awkward episode, mm-hmm. but it never came down to anyone saying you're out of here. Or, right. You know, everyone was trying to make it work. And so I didn't get too many complaints about it, but she's the only guest who's ever done the show who uh, left immediately afterwards and didn't cut, reach out to me in any way to say, you know, that it was fun, mm-hmm. you know? Like everybody usually has a good time. Right. So it sticks in my head that she just like left, but also she could have been in a hurry to go somewhere else. And since it was set up through a publicist, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't happen that we, and I've never run into her again, Hmm. but I just felt like she had a bad time that like, that like she thought she worked hard to make the best of a bad thing and that 
me and my show didn't you know were against her right like made it made it impossible for her to do that instead of being like oh maybe this wasn't the show for me she on twitter but this is all just guessing on my part yeah yeah well i'm sure now some people will reach out to her to ask (laughs) so don't it'll be solved one way or another no that's always great when uh (laughs) like the other night i had uh, for the first time i had freddie prince jr on Mm -hmm. those movies and um Oh, last night. This is how quickly these things happen. <laughs> he was on last night, and um, at one point he said, he goes, I have kids. So I said, what was the last movie you saw? He said, I have kids. So I had to see Lego Batman movie. And I and people applauded for Lego Batman movie. And I went, what are you talking about? Like, that's uh, lots of adults. Like, everyone in this theater are all adults, and they've all probably seen Lego Batman movie. Like, everybody loves it. It's not just for kids. And he was like, yeah, but I'm just saying that's why I went... And so then I go, you know, I'm a voice in it, in Lego Batman. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I knew that. I didn't know that. So I go, congrats, thanks. I didn't, I didn't make too big of a deal out of it, but I just realized that I had to tell you that for this story. Okay. Because then I go, uh, who's your favorite villain in the movie? And I'm I'm the voice of Bane. Uh huh. I go, who's your favorite villain? And there's lots of villains, so there's plenty of ways for him to go with it. But I'm also pretty damn sure he doesn't know that I'm the voice of Bane. Right. But if he does know I'm the voice of Bane, then he'll either say Bane enthusiastically, or he'll make a joke and say somebody else to mm-hmm. piss me off. But I don't think he knew what was going on, so he, I think he just said the Riddler or something. Yeah, he said the Riddler, and um, and then the whole audience laughed, and then he didn't get he didn't get this corner that he's being boxed into, and it went on for a little while, but he never figured it out, and I never said it out loud to him. <laughs> On the show or after the show. Right. So I'm like, that's the perfect crime. Like getting all these laughs and making him wonder, <laughs> but it's also not going to eat at him probably. Mm-hmm. But someday when he finds out, he'll be like, that's why they were laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those time bomb things that may never go off mm-hmm. <laughs> in his whole life. But if it does, it'll be great. And But then today on Twitter, a guy goes, hey, Doug Benson's voice of Bane, you know, wrote directly to Freddie Prinze. Doug Benson's the voice of Bane. He was fishing to get you to say something about it. And I just wrote I just wrote to the guy Tatler. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a few more exchanges where, you know, it was super friendly. He was like, I'm a fan of the show. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I get it. But it's just funny that people, like you were saying, yeah. like, like immediately. It's very fast. Yeah. So somebody will reach out to her, that, that actress. Her name was uh, Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> and somebody will reach out to at Lonnie Anderson and say, you know, did you have a bad time on Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies? He, s- I- he said you're the only one who ever, you were there to <laughs> left promote without WKRP saying thank in you. Cincinnati. <laughs> Wasn't she on that show? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, which earlier today I was talking to somebody about how crazy it was. Oh, I was on uh, satellite radio with Jason Ellis. We were, we were looking at footage of... Sammy Davis Jr. doing this Mr. Bojangles number in mm-hmm. like a Bob Fosse super tight uh, 70s outfit, you know? And uh, just his junk is just on insane display. And then we just started talking about also how like in the 70s on TV, it was just all the lead characters on network TV shows were women that didn't wear bras and had tight shirts on. Hmm. Like it was so... You're right, yeah. It's so weird how... Porn is available 24-7 now, but television is more chaste than it was mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's bizarre. Or on the other hand, there's cable channels that are just like going nuts with how violent and how much swearing and nudity right. are, are in there, you know, but but it's still weird that network television so in a, It's become so still, inoffensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. like it would be a major plot point in a show right now and one that a lot of people would be bummed out about if 
there was like some brawless woman with her nipples super erect in a scene, you know, like on Modern Family or whatever. Right? I'm trying to think of Is the, that weird? I'm trying to think of like the most inhospitable to rigid nipples show on network television there is right now. I can't think of one. Right. Parenthood. Is that still on? No. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. Uh, 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 What's the what, most fa- Seventh we, Heaven. We Are Us. What's that new one that oh, everybody this loves? Is, this is Us. This is Us. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yes. no, there's nobody brawless and Mm-mm. erect <laughs> on, on This Is Us. It's all hugs on that show. Crying and hugs. Jesus, I did that twice now. <laughs> well, so the, for the listener who's wondering what you Knocked did. Knocked over my water. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know there was a time before. I did, but I caught it faster the oh, first time. Oh, okay. Well, this we'll get some paper a towel. Bit don't of a mess, don't nothing, you worry. No electronics are involved. It's just water. Doug Benson. And it's just water. And yes, I just just did use your full name. This has been terrific. Thank well, you. Well, so yeah, much. on a show, of course, you can use the full name, but um, but when you're just like standing around having a conversation in a bar, you you don't need to keep saying it. Doug Benson, <laughs> tell them where to find you and plug your stuff. DougLovesMovies.com is my site with all my road dates. And uh, I'm always out there doing stand-up and podcasts and uh, hanging out at festivals and uh, all sorts of stuff. But of course, when how soon will people hear this? I'm not. It might be a couple weeks. Yeah, so the high court is finished. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll get picked up for more episodes. But uh, follow me on Twitter for updates on that. Doug Benson. Jeff, where can we find you? I'm on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. And follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Thanks again for coming by. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Good time, but now we gotta go.